scarcity of Bitcoin and the scarcity of knowledge of Bitcoin is a once in a very infinitesimal amount of time for you as the individual to change the trajectory of your family, not just for yourself. It's for your entire family and everyone that comes after you. We're all sitting here. I mean, I don't watch it, but I watch you watch it. Watching Bridgerton or Downton Abbey. I love me some Bridgerton. I can't get into Downton Abbey. Okay. But the point is, is that like we all watch these shows where this concept of there's the people upstairs and the people downstairs. Mm-hmm. There's the people that have and there's the people that work for the people that have. Ugh, I want rich people problems. Who am I going to marry? I must keep myself well regarded in society. Exactly. <laughs> sure, right? You're listening to the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. I'm Ian. That's Keon. And and we're we're the the Recefis. My husband loves Bitcoin, and once a week, I let him talk my ear off about it. Yeah, I'm a real cheap date. Cheap, maybe, but it's a lot of work. If I'm going to do something, may as well do it the best way possible. And Flirting with Bitcoin is audience-funded without ads or sponsors. Mm Mm-hmm. This ain't your grandma's podcast. This is podcasting 2.0. But we can't do this for free, babe. We have Bitcoin to buy and a new mouth to feed. (laughs) See? Our son agrees with me. If and when people enjoy the show, they can support us by giving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever they're listening. They can share episodes on their social media, and of course, they can send us some money. Obviously, I prefer Bitcoin, and the best way to send us some is through our two favorite apps, Strike and Fountain. Ah, let's explain how that works at the end of the episode for anyone curious. Sure, babe. But I still like real money, and so if you want to support us... Babe, babe, Bitcoin is real money. Sure, but if you want to support us with old school money, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and subscribe. We offer monthly and yearly subscriptions that come out to less than a dollar an episode. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show to cash in on our bounty program. Make that money, honey. Y'all ready? Hey, Keon, you ready, baby? Let's go. Hey, babe. Hey, Mandana. Hola to Spain. Guten Tag, Germany. Good day, Canada. Hola, Brazil. Sawadi, Thailand. Good day, UK. Hola, Argentina. Buongiorno, Italy. Namaskara, Nepal. I probably butchered that, but so exciting that out of nowhere we have a lot of Nepalese listeners. I mean, there's there's probably like, I can do like a little roundabout. So we recently found out that Bhutan or Bhutan has been mining Bitcoin. So that kind of came out during the the Celsius debacle or perhaps FTX. One of the one of the bankruptcies, we found out that that was happening. And so Nepal is in a similar scenario as Bhutan or Bhutan, however you say it. They have a lot of hydropower. So if you have hydropower, Bitcoin mining makes a lot of sense. This is very exciting. Welcome. There's also, I don't know if it's happened yet. If it hasn't happened, it's about to happen. They have a Bitcoin conference in Indonesia. Uh-huh, yeah. So. We should be there, babe. Why are we there? Because we both have real jobs. True that. All right. Well, hello to all the rest of our listeners out there. What time is it, babe? The current time is 800 
We are approximately 3,819 blocks since our last recording, and we are below 40,000 blocks until the halving. Hey, and if I gave you a dollar, how many acres could I get on Sunny Bitcoin Island? You could get 3,434 acres, aka Satoshis, on Sunny Bitcoin Island. And what about other tangible things like eggs, beef, gas? Eggs are coming in at 3,811 Satoshis for a dozen. Ground beef is coming in at 12,355 Satoshis for a pound. And gas, gasoline, is coming in at 9,093 sats for a gallon. And that data comes from PricedInBitcoin21.com. Don't shoot the messenger if that happens to be off. So it's been a minute since we've recorded. It has. I have a metric for that too. What's your metric? 3,819 blocks. (laughs) (laughs) Do we want to explain ourselves? I mean, you can. All right. So we went on a couple of trips. And then I got sick and then Keon got shots. So he was essentially sick. So it's just been rough. (laughs) We've been having a lot of fun, though. It's like summer and all that stuff. But uh, it was hard to like make time for it. The days were long. It's really easy to stop prioritizing the pod. But we're back better than ever. I think I hope there's been a lot to talk about while we weren't recording. But I think today's episode kind of is the thread that's been going on for the past month since we haven't recorded. And what else is special about today? <laughs> today is Mandana's birthday. It is. We're not doing a special challenge for it, are we, like we did for yours? I mean, we can. Yeah, so I'm turning 37, or I, I, I am 37 now. My birthday, my birth hour is in like two hours, but it's a different time zone, so I think I'm already 37. I always trip that up every every year. My mom is very like, you came into this world exactly at this time, but then she ignores the fact that I was not born in this time zone. So yeah, I'm 37 now. So explain what we do for the birthday challenge for folks. You either buy $37 worth of Bitcoin for yourself or you gift it to someone else. And then? You share it on Noster. And? You use the hashtag. I think it's just flirting with Bitcoin challenge, actually. It is flirting with Bitcoin challenge. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You will pick a lucky winner. Yeah, you know, now that we're saying this, I don't really like this. Okay, what should we do instead? I don't know. I just really, personally, I don't like, and we'll pick a lucky winner. I've just never been a fan of that. And it didn't even feel, it wasn't really fun to like have to do it last time. Mm -hmm. That's kind of why I like the clips. Yeah. You know, like the clips are like, you did a thing and here's your fair share. All right, so no more challenges? I don't know. I just, I don't like the pick a lucky winner. Let, Let me think about it while we record and... We'll come back to it. All right. So we won't do the challenge. You guys, look, you guys got a front row seat uh, at how you and I come up with stuff. <laughs> it's a very scientific very, method. very scientific. We forgot about it. Then we thought we'd do it. <laughs> Think about it on our feet. <laughs> and we were like, Argh. I like the idea of gifting Bitcoin. You're welcome to give me Bitcoin, um, even though my money is your money, your money is my money, and our Bitcoin is shared. I'm welcome to give you a Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. You're very welcome to give me a Bitcoin, but it still would be our Bitcoin. But I would want to know where you got that money from, (laughs) because we have a lot of bills to pay. We've had an expensive summer. Life is expensive, babe, and it looks like the price of Bitcoin, I believe when we last recorded it was, I think the last time we published was the beginning of July, the price of Bitcoin had shot up to 30. So we've been there for a minute. Bitcoin ran up to 30 a couple months ago and then fell back down. This is its second time touching 30, but this this time seems to be holding. And that that happens, like 
someone pulled up a chart that shows like during the summer bitcoin don't do much okay well because people are busy doing other stuff maybe yeah they're not recording pods yeah they're not they're not writing think piece articles you know like they're They're out there living they're out there living you know and i think it's like a little important for us to do that because it's really easy for us to just kind of be in our little thought bubble right like we work at home right now i'm on maternity leave we're very focused on you know our firstborn child and then consuming information and then you and i just having a conversation about it right Mm -hmm. and then for a couple of weeks we've just like been out in the world like we've been visiting your family we've been spending time with my family our friends and just really experiencing the price of things yeah on one of our trips we just kept saying it's not that crowded and it's because it's so expensive to do anything now like vacation spots are less crowded the place that i said that was a place that we have gone to every year that i've known you yeah and i've gone every year since i was a kid if it was up to me, I probably wouldn't choose to go there on my own. But like, <laughs> I've gone. You're a great husband. But you I've make gone these sacrifices. there. Sacrifices. <laughs> yeah, but I've gone there every year now. It's never been cheap when we go and do those things, but it was noticeably more expensive this time. Yeah. To your point, like that matched up with, and because of that, you didn't see a lot of people. And my thought kept being, how can people afford this? How can people with multiple children afford this? And we went and we, you know, split the experience with two other families. But even then, it was not cost effective by any means it's not you know I'll, I'll be very honest when 2008 9 you know the great financial crisis happened I was not affected by that I lived in Washington DC I had a contracting job I worked through the whole thing I was not aware really of what was going on DC is a bubble I will mm-hmm. be very upfront about that it's a bubble inside of a bubble mm-hmm. you know in Bitcoin land you you'll learn about the term the Cantillion effect or the Cantillion effect however you want to pronounce it if you're French or not French and what the Cantillion effect is is the closer you are to the money printer basically the better your life is going to be. And so I may not know (laughs) Janet Yellen and I may not know all the people that are playing that money game, but I live in the place where all that's happening. That Cantillion effect spreads out from D.C. That's why the suburbs from D.C. are so wealthy Mm -hmm. because there's always money to pay the people if you work for the federal government, right? One of my best friends is a dentist and she always will have business because she takes the insurance of federal employees. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, like, so like a lot of her patients are vets and their insurance is through Veterans Affairs, you know? For this vacation is like within driving distance mm-hmm. of DC. When we're home, we don't really go out a lot anymore, COVID and or now a baby. And we like cooking our own food generally. That, that yeah, like we are big fans of um, knowing where our food comes from. Right. And so going to the beach and having to like basically eat out every day mm-hmm. in a town that's like a tourist trap. Right. Right. Like you see the price, not so much of the price that they, in my opinion, even want to charge. It's the, probably the price that they have to charge. Yeah. Either A, they lost business during all these COVID years and they're they're refilling their coffers and or the price of all of their inputs has gone yeah, up. Yeah, crab has gotten so expensive. We went to this one place. I remember the, the first time you and I went to the beach, it was like the first like crab house that you and I went to. Mm-hmm. Every time we've gone there, it's been packed. I know. There's always been a line. 
It's like we drove past. We, had to str- we would have to strategize. Yeah. And like we drive past like six other crab ha- houses yeah. to go to this one place. And I'm like, okay, there's a line here. Can we just go to a different one? No, oh, we have to go here. No. Fine. Real Marylanders, no. You got to do the right crab house. Fine. But my point is that this time I was driving there with that same thing of like, oh, God, it's going to be like a two and a half hour experience. Like we're going to stand in line and wait and all this fun stuff. And we walked right in. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, okay, that's weird. And then they give you the menu and you see the prices you're like that makes sense yeah and so and again i was sitting there and i was looking at every table going how does everyone afford this well some people can afford it yeah i mean we we were lucky enough to be able to afford it so there, there is definitely a deep class divide that's probably happening this summer kind of driving to today's topic of the episode is that what I observed is there were a lot of older people. I saw a couple families here and there, but for the most part, I saw what I would say are retirement and or pre-retirement people. That was like the majority of the people that I saw when we went out to eat. And I would argue that retired people, pre-retired people, depending on how they secured their wealth throughout their life, their wealth is secured. If you're living off a pension and you're not working and you've paid your house off, you have money coming in you have very few bills. Those people are are going to be affected by the increases in prices also, but not as much as someone who's got all the life bills Mm -hmm. plus is taking a trip. You should, should is a relative term, but like you should be able to live comfortably later on in life. And what we've said on the pod and what we'll get into after the music break and the commercial and all that, (laughs) the game of how you get to that point has changed. It changed the day that Satoshi Nakamoto and Hal Finney spun up the Bitcoin network. Not everyone on the planet knew what they were doing, but the day they booted up the Bitcoin network, the game changed. Everyone's playing it, but not everyone knows how to keep score. What's wrong, babe? I don't know. I guess I'm worried I'm not saving enough money in Bitcoin. Aren't we all? You don't seem worried. Like with most things, you just got to set a goal and work towards it. But even with a goal, the price of Bitcoin changes so much, it's hard to keep track. I understand. That's why I created the Satoshi Savings Calculator. And how can that help? First, you decide how much Bitcoin you want to acquire. One Bitcoin. Great. Then you got to decide how much time you want to give yourself to acquire that Bitcoin. Before the next halving, duh. That's also great because the calculator only lets you pick halving dates. Anything else I need to enter? Just how often you want to buy and which currency you want to use. Oh, so rather than buying it all at once? To loosely quote Desmond Tutu, if you want to save a whole Bitcoin, you got to do it like you eat an elephant. One bite at a time. That's gross, Ian. But true. Focus, babe. Where can I find this calculator? The pod's website, flirtingwithbitcoin.com. Wait, you haven't been to the website yet? Um, let's get back to the show. Thank you so much for the info, babe. It's time for shout outs. All right, Fountainheads, in our most recent episode, Third Party Hodlers, we got top boost from Gene Everett, Tobias MH, or is it Tobias SMH, <laughs> Acervic, Based Batman 21, Mark the BTC Guy, and Zordon. 
Thanks for listening. And special shout out. I don't remember who left it, um, but one of our older episodes, someone was like, when is the next episode coming out? Are you guys okay? We're fine. I'm sorry. I wish there was a way for us to like reach out to you guys without blasting out a new episode when it's going to take a while to post an episode, but you all don't communicate with us in the same place. I wish we could stick to a more strict schedule and like it's always our goal, but you know, life kind of sometimes gets in the way and I would say Ian is easier on me at those times and like doesn't press the pod until I'm ready to get back in it, but I really missed it and I love that you guys missed us. When people are asking you for new stuff, new material, it's how you know you made it. It's so flattering. Yeah. One of the cool things that has happened since since we last recorded, it's a lot easier to pull up previous boosts and stuff now. Nick, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it because I think it's pretty cool. So the Fallon guys have been working on like a new backend interface. So it's not just an app on your phone. It's like a web app. So I can pull up other stats now that we couldn't really pull up before. And one of the big ones for me is the number of unique supporters for an episode. So that just means anybody who gave a boost, count up the total of unique people who gave a boost. I was going back through some of our episodes and we have one episode that had like 200 unique people. Wow. This is really going to help us know certain things about the show. Obviously, they're working on it, so it's not fully done yet, but it's pretty good. I, I really like where they're going with this and it's not done yet, but I should be able to reply to boosts from this web app soon. So I'll be able to go and use a regular keyboard like a normal human being to like reply to stuff. <laughs> Can we talk about the one mean uh, boost we got? We got a mean boost? Yeah. Someone was like, get your wife off this show and get other people. I mean, I don't know if that was mean per se. I know. Like, but I read it and I was like, Ian, do you agree with them? And you said no. And I said, I, okay. I, well, A, I responded to them. Oh, see, I don't. <laughs> it's hard for me to keep track on the phone app. Right. So I responded to them. And basically what I said was like, you know, their, their critique was, unless you're going for like, People who know nothing, like you need to get into more Bitcoin related content. I'm paraphrasing. Which I honestly don't disagree with that. I am a big advocate of Ian generally getting deeper and deeper into the Bitcoin space beyond just the conversations that he has with me and this podcast. The point of this podcast, first and foremost, is for him to just be able to talk to me about it and pull me into something that he's really passionate about. I also think that he should be having conversations with other people about it, whether or not that's something that we do with this podcast. You know, it, it was really interesting to me how susceptible I was to that criticism. And, I, you know, we get a lot of positive feedback from so many other people. But it's like that one voice where I'm like, are they right? Have like we've kind of run our course is talking to me like not interesting. But it was very sweet the way like you immediately shot it down. You were like not even going to entertain the thought. Full disclosure, this podcast is Mondana's idea. That was part of my response to this person. I can't find it because I'm on the spot right now and I don't mm -hmm. want to slow down the flow of the conversation. But also like the people that, that I would want to interview or like do some type of interviewing show, they're out there doing interviews. Yeah. I could, in theory, have a schedule of interviews and we could bring them on and and people have reached out to you and offered to come talk on the show as well. And they have. And we, we probably eventually will get there. But as you said about like our recording schedule, it's like we don't have a set schedule. So I can't we can't really have a show that's like recording a bunch of interviews and putting them out. 
I do think that if I ever, if, if ever we start doing this more in a full-time capacity, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully Bitcoin runs up to 10 million at the next halving and then <laughs> we can do this full-time, right? In a full-time capacity, yeah, you can have a more like traditional Bitcoin show. But right now, no, our audience is people who don't know anything, specifically the significant others of Bitcoiners who the Bitcoiners themselves are having a hard time bringing them in. Also, Bitcoiners seeing maybe a more agreeable way to approach someone who's a non-Bitcoiner. I think like that perspective is also really interesting because remember, like we would talk about this a lot in the beginning of the pod, like if you're really, really into it, you're skipping a lot of things when you're trying to talk about it. And so hopefully our conversations on like the questions that I have help guide how other people can approach people in their lives about Bitcoin. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like we're just trying to get people to feel comfortable with the idea of Bitcoin. Because if you're not comfortable with the idea, you're not going to be able to absorb any of the other information. And that's kind of like the like genesis of today's episode is I have a coworker who I'm slowly orange pilling and he's asking the right questions. Like he's seeing the possible solution that Bitcoin provides, but he's still not comfortable with this idea because of the background that he comes from, Mm -hmm. aka his previous job and what he was doing in the financial world. But at the same time, I've never, I, I don't try to like tell him like you're wrong. I just say like, no, you're asking the right questions. I can't sit here and teach you everything. You need to go read this book. You need to go consume some more information and content on your own. If you have questions, I will gladly answer more questions. But I can't just give you a thousand <laughs> hours of Bitcoin yeah. lessons. Like it's just not scalable that way. And at the same time, if you're going to be a skeptic the whole time, that's going to get tiring for me. It's exhausting energy. Also, I'll say like, don't tell my husband to go talk to other people. The whole point of this is that he flirts with me. <laughs> There's that too, right? Like I haven't really thought through like what an interview show looks like. But you can't be flirting with them. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a bunch of learning, white- learning with Bitcoin with Ian. <laughs> And not his wife. Yeah. <laughs> that's like so. That's so uh, uh, crypto bro of you. My thing is, if I don't put a lot of thought into what an interviewing show looks like, it's going to degenerate into every single other one. Yeah. And I just don't want those already exist. And I think that's why Ian's first thought was, Monzo, there are a lot of podcasts about Bitcoin out there. And I was like, yes, but. <laughs> yeah. So Mondana's angle, I think, is a very valid angle. And I think this mean boost that you're referring to. And they didn't um, mean to be. They didn't. I'm, I'm putting that in air quotes. Mean I just, boost. you know, I'm a little sensitive. Yeah. I think that there is a category there. And I think that every four years, there's going to be a new wave of people. As we're building up this podcast in this quote unquote, I hate the term, but this brand, I would hope that when all of our listeners have their friends and family start texting them as the price of Bitcoin is running up because they're they're seeing it now. Like, oh, I remember you were talking about Bitcoin when it was like three thousand and now it's one hundred and fifty thousand. Like, let me. Hey, man, can you like tell me about what is Bitcoin? Exactly. Right. (laughs) So hopefully when that happens. We've established ourselves as like, here's a really simple, gentle podcast for you to start. It's not technical analysis. It's not like comparing Bitcoin to energy because you don't understand what energy is. So you can't even compare two things. You know, like we are people's de facto response to be like, oh, here's this cute couple that have a podcast is very fun and light. And you can go from there. That is who we're going for until further notice.
there is this general discussion around what it means to be wealthy when it comes to Bitcoin. Yes. And that's because prices got up. It's kind of stabilized. We know it's probably going to go up a little bit more because the halving is on its way. The idea behind Bitcoin is that we would be wealthy one day, right? That we'd have more money than we need. That's that's wealth, right? I mean, that's that's a philosophical question, right? Like, what is wealth? What is wealth? Not right. even like what's enough wealth? Wealth could be defined as free time, mm-hmm. right? So if you have to work to earn the money to do all the things that you want to do, even if you earn a lot of money to do all the things that you want to do, like you're an NBA basketball player, I'm sure Shaq wishes he could have all the money he had without having been Shaq. I was mm-hmm. pretty brutal on his body, mm-hmm. right? So wealth to me is free time. And as I just said in our in our previous little discussion, like I saw a lot of retired people probably just going about their lives. They're probably complaining about the price too, but it doesn't hit them as hard because they have pensions and they have all kinds of or most likely they have like real estate investments most likely they probably own rental properties at the beach and are renting them out and other people are paying for their lifestyle yep right okay to me wealth is i don't i no longer have to trade time for money even right now today you have a lot of people that are saying i'm gonna get a rental property i'm gonna rent it out every time Ian and I go somewhere twice. We're like, you guys should just buy a rental property there. And we're like, why? We go there once a year. But everyone thinks that that's the most surefire, no brainer way to make money. Yes. Or establish a sort, you know, a passive source of income and revenue. But it's not passive. You have to do so much work. It's definitely not passive. It's it can be as much as a full time job if you're doing it correctly. They're not wrong when they say, like, you can make money by buying a place and renting it out. Part of the way you make money is, okay, if you can rent this out enough where it's paying the the loan that you needed to acquire to get this property, because if it can pay for itself, the appreciation on the property becomes your wealth building mechanism. If it's paying for itself and it goes from X to X plus 50%, that gap there is my wealth. Now, the problem with that is well i'll just jump in and say the problem with that like we have a prime example of that that's happening and is going to keep happening is like the airbnb bubble is about to burst it's already bursted in some cities in america but a lot of properties are making significantly less revenue than they did before and what you have is you have people who are just scooping up properties in a very lazy way renovating them in a very lazy way decorating them and then making them airbnbs and then the airbnb fees have gotten so high people do the math and they instead stay in a hotel and that's happening in different cities over and over and over again to the point where people are just done with the airbnb market there but then you're sitting on a ton of properties that no one's going to be in and i'm hoping that some of those people get punished and they have to sell those homes that they bought at a loss and so that people can have affordable housing in those cities But that's happening right now. And I think if you talk to people in 2021 or 2020, right, in COVID, right, when everyone was just trying to go somewhere on vacation and find a rental property to stay in, it would have been a no-brainer to have a rental property. That's how that was said. Even now, people talk about it as if it's a no-brainer, but it's not. I do want to talk about the Airbnb thing, but I do want to go back to that that last point, the individual rental property concept. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that, so I'm, I'm a investor or property manager, whatever you want to call it, and I buy a piece of property and I can rent it out enough where it pays for itself. And then I'm going to look at the equity 
or the price appreciation is like that's me making money right the problem is that that's inflation yeah you're you're benefiting from inflation but then you go to your vacation spot that you're living off of all this money you go there and the prices are higher mm-hmm. and you're complaining about the higher prices so it's like you're you're benefiting from the thing that you don't like and the reason why no one can figure out what's going on is that we've all been conditioned to think that houses should go up in value they should go up in cost but that's not how it works everywhere in the world. If you go to Japan, houses depreciate. They depreciate like crazy. Because you're living in them and they get old. Yes. And on top of that, Japan is a earthquake prone region. So every like five years, they have new regulations on how you have to build stuff. Mm. So like your house can just be out of code. So anyway, like in Japan, that's not how it works. Houses depreciate. They're like cars. So here in America, we just think everything going up, you know, houses going up is a good thing. There's a, I don't know if they're an ally anymore, you know, we're friends, but like there's an example of someone who is considered part of the West who does not operate like that. Now, Japan has a bunch of other financial problems, (laughs) which is why it probably also doesn't operate like that. But to just say that houses always go up in value, land always goes up in value, maybe the land in Japan is constantly going up in value, but the houses that sit on them, mm mm-mm. And they shouldn't because, oh my God, these rental properties, especially oceanfront, beach, they're so moldy, they're so gross, they're so old, they haven't cleaned the carpets, Mm -hmm. like... I mean, I don't want to belabor this point, but it is, I definitely view the idea of getting a vacation rental property as the dumbest thing. Unless somehow we have a lifestyle where we're spending half of our weekends a year somewhere. I just, I can't imagine wanting to be tethered to another property that much. Live where you want to live. (laughs) Like if you really want a beach house, go live on the beach. But I live here where I live. I really like my house here. I'd rather put more of my money here where I live. It's just a conversation that people regularly have with us as if it's a no brainer. And I mean, I think we br- we always brush it off. But then I'm like, well, you don't listen to our podcast. So <laughs> like, you'll just say just buy Bitcoin. And then like, you know, it's always the dumbfounded like, uh, but, so, but it's like just buy Bitcoin. The most work you have to do is figure out how to keep it safe. Yeah. And the thing about particularly with real estate and I think we're all guilty of this in some way, shape or form is even if you know, like I just said, the house price is going up, that's inflation. And you know that that's bad. Everyone kind of just shrugs and goes, well, what can I do about it? Okay. So, I mean, it sucks, but someone said it to me one time, like I printed $250,000, meaning they bought and sold a house and they netted like $250,000 in equity in like a year and a half. Wow. Right. But they said the word printed. And I was like, that's kind of funny. But it's like, what can you do about that? If you actually were to learn, and this is this is where I was talking with my coworkers, is like when you actually learn what Bitcoin is and you understand what it is that you're actually buying and owning, I'm not saying you're going to sell your house, but people start scheming on, Mm -hmm. should I take all my equity out? Should I take out a second mortgage, get that equity and put it into Bitcoin, right? Because it's so easy to go down that trail of thought because people do the math and they go, okay, the equity in my house, I can't get at unless I at least bare minimum, you got to borrow it or sell your house. Those are your two options. Now, selling your house is not a fast way to get at the equity in your house. So most people will, and it's not convenient, right? You got to move all your stuff. So most people will just borrow 
against their property value, right? You bought it at 100,000, your house is quote unquote worth 200,000 now. The bank will loan you $100,000 on your equity because if you don't pay, they're gonna take your house, cool. However, as we are seeing, house prices fluctuate. Yeah, drastically. It's not so much that if the price of your house drops, the bank is gonna take your house, that's not gonna happen, but you might be trapped in that house because you can't sell it because you owe 200,000 and now it's only worth 150 and you don't have the 50,000 because you spent it all. Mm-hmm. So how do you get out of this house? Now you got to now you can't even sell. Now you're stuck. When people are talking about the equity in their house or the equity in their stocks, right? I bought a stock at X and now it's at Y and everyone's looking at these fiat numbers moving up and they go, that's wealth. I have equity in my house. That's wealth. Or I I bought Apple at 100 and now it's at 1000 or whatever Apple's at like That's wealth. I made a bunch of money, right? Okay, maybe you did, but go buy a hamburger with Apple stock. Go buy a hamburger with home equity. You can't. You always have to convert that profit into something else before you can actually benefit from it. And in that process of converting it to something else that you can benefit from, usually a home equity loan or selling your stocks, I guess. I don't know. Well, if you sell your stocks, you're paying capital gains tax. If you sell your house, you're paying capital gains tax. So right there, you're kind of trapped already. And technically, if you sell your Bitcoin as well, but the idea is that you would just be spending your Bitcoin. Well, here's the thing is that I can go to El Salvador. Also, the assumption is in the future, 10 years down the line, more places in America would be accepting Bitcoin. Maybe it might be next year. We don't know. But Oh, you say something like, you know. No, I'm just saying like, (laughs) we don't know what the timeline is going to be. What we do know is that if I move my Bitcoin onto Coinbase and sell it, Coinbase is going to snitch on me. Let's just be clear. They're going to be like, we don't want to get in trouble with them. So we're going to tell on you because you converted your Bitcoin to dollars. However, if I go out into the world and I see a shirt that I like and I offer the person Bitcoin for the shirt, that's just between me and that person. When I said earlier, like the game has changed and not everyone knows how to keep score, people used to keep score with things like equity in their homes. And that's why people bought multiple homes, right? I got houses, beach houses all over the place. They're going up in value. It's going, Miami's going gangbusters. You know, you sell (laughs) condos like in 30 30 seconds in Miami. Okay, fine. But all that's coming to an end. I don't think like you look at any real estate market in the United States and or the world right now. And for some reason, they're all flatlining and or declining because the thing that was keeping those prices going up kind of stopped. So what you're saying is instead of having to do the quote unquote paperwork to get your wealth Mm. out, Bitcoin is your wealth. You know exactly what the value is. It is what it is. Exactly. And you have access to it whenever you want. So then this goes to, because Ian already told me (laughs) uh, what your coworker was asking you about, which is how much Bitcoin is enough. And so it's one thing to say like, all right, conceptually, you need to understand that if you're trying to accumulate wealth, do it in Bitcoin. Don't do it in these other traditional ways of the past because there's a new game to play. What do you say to someone who's asking you, how much Bitcoin is, am I supposed to have? You know, it's funny. Like I, like I said, I was talking to my coworker last week and, you know, I had just recently read and watched a bunch of stuff about this topic. So when he kind of made the statement, I was like mentally prepared. Because to, this is the topic that all the other podcasts are talking about right now. It's the not, idea of Bitcoin wealth. It's not that all the other podcasts are talking about this topic. It's that 
when the BlackRock ETF news broke, Mm -hmm. people's first reaction was, they're going to buy up all the remaining Bitcoin. Yeah, we talked about that. Right. And while that may be true, I don't think they're going to be able to buy all the remaining Bitcoin. Because we got some. Well, we got some. You know, there's like, I forget the number. Let's just call it 2 million Bitcoin remaining in the world to be mined. If Bitcoin keeps appreciating in price, even if people want to convert that into to fiat dollars, euros, yen, you only have to sell less and less of it every time. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, let's say we go to sleep and we wake up and Bitcoin's at a million dollars. OK, that changes our life a little bit. I'm staying asleep. <laughs> but, if, but if you go back to sleep and you wake up and it's $10 billion, whatever number of your Bitcoin you were going to sell at $1 million, you're selling a lot less of it now. Yeah. And so the people, real Bitcoiners know the longer you can go without having to sell any of it, the better. This, this, that's the game. So, yes. So, so that's why, like I say, oh, maybe in 10 years when America starts accepting Bitcoin, because I even think, and it doesn't matter, right? Like you're always like, on the strike app if i encounter a place that accepts bitcoin which i haven't yet um i would convert my dollars to bitcoin during that transaction i wouldn't be spending the bitcoin i have now which is like what we would be doing if we were in a situation where we wanted to purchase something with bitcoin but when hopefully you talk, yeah. if you're purchasing something with bitcoin the person is going to present you with a lightning invoice uh-huh. and then you can pay from cash balance right on your strike through my account. strike account yeah, yeah. Thinking of Bitcoin as your savings or like where you're accumulating your wealth, you wouldn't be dipping into your savings to go buy a T-shirt. Well, yes and no. This is part of the like Bitcoin is wealth. Think of like if you go to any financial planning seminar and they're going to say you got your checking account, you got your savings account. And if you're smart and you're like a business person, you got your LLC that sits on top of that. The money goes into the LLC and then you pay yourself out of your LLC and then you pay from out of your LLC to your checking account from your checking account to your savings account, right? Like all of that is kind of like how we're taught to do things. Bitcoin operates the same way. Your lightning wallet is your checking account. Mm -hmm. Your multi-sig unchained account, that's your savings account. And that should in theory be a one-way street. Yeah, You're only pushing in, you're never, you can't even spend that out in public if you wanted to. So again, how much is enough Bitcoin? So like when your coworker asks you that question. So this is this is this is a tricky question because my answer is you being the person that's asking the question, mm-hmm. you could never answer that. You don't even know the number for yourself because okay, forget Bitcoin. How much dollars is enough? Yeah. It's the same question. Is a million dollars enough for you? Is and that five- goes to are you this into Bitcoin or this panicked about your future, whatever it is, to want to take out a loan on your on your mortgage so that you can buy more Bitcoin. Well, that is where you can kind of head when well, you're thinking like this. Well, that particular example is is part of why I say Bitcoin is wealth, right? Because Hypothetically, let's say we were in the 25th year of paying this house off. Mm -hmm. We only got five years left and the whole house is roughly equity. And let's just say for the purpose of this example, we're already past this current halving that's coming up. Mm -hmm. And we are, you know, 10 months away from the next halving. And you, knowing everything that you know, everything that you've learned so far in this podcast for one and a half years. And I said, Mandana, I think we should take all our equity and push it into Bitcoin before the halving. Baby, you know, I would follow you blindly through this plan. (laughs) Like if you came to me with that, you're so risk averse. I'd be like, all right, Ian's thought it through. (laughs) We can't lose. (laughs) My point here is that 
I'm stressing out just thinking about it. So I'm like, why aren't we doing this? We, we are not 25 years into our mortgage. Um, but but, but my, my point here is that, you know, let's say three years ago, you wouldn't have agreed to that in no. that exact same scenario, right? So you've learned enough about... I mean, you flirted with me enough. You, but you've learned enough about Bitcoin yeah. where that... Hypo- that's the thing. I And I'm assuming that this is what your coworker is going through where he's like, shouldn't I be putting more into this? Why am I not? Is it dumb of me to not? And that I think like you can't help but feel like you're gambling a little. And then it's like, okay, should I put more money into it? And then you're really like behaving like a gambler, even though you're not. It's so tricky. It's such a, such a, such a tricky mental place to be in and process and like, ooh, Lord help anyone who's like a couple who like a, like us who are Bitcoin couples who are like, yeah, let's just do it. Like we'll just like feed off each other's energy. It's dangerous. So so I'll give you an example because you're right. It is it, it, it can be dangerous if you do it. If you do this type of thinking wrong. Yeah. Right? So one of the rushed. one of the things that I saw when I first came into literally like when I first came into Bitcoin, like the first week, what I saw was a lot of people saying that they were taking out and I didn't understand the having, mm-hmm. right? But I came in right before the last having, like a couple months before, like like six or seven months before the last having. I saw a lot of people saying that they were going to be opening credit cards that had a zero percent interest rate for like 18 months or whatever dang they were gonna buy they're gonna load up their credit they were gonna take the cash out because you can just take cash out of your credit card right they're gonna take the cash out they're gonna let that sit for 18 months zero percent interest they were gonna buy the bitcoin they were expecting the run-up or at least the gains from the bitcoin to outpace the interest on that money and the minute it basically doubled they were going to sell and pay off the credit card and keep ah why don't we do that because we're not crazy people. <laughs> I know. You know, I actually know someone who did that in college. Like, they did that for their tuition. And so then they would work all semester. Then they'd pay off their tuition. But it kept them from ever going into debt for school. Sure. This was back when tuition was a little cheaper. <laughs> I don't really know if you could do that now. If you have a black card, you can put yeah, college on a credit card. Um, but- no, I mean, I think it's when I was going to college, and it was a lot at the time, it was four grand a semester in state tuition. Um, and you could, yeah, you can make that happen with a college student's credit score but yeah i mean it's it's tough man i think but let's let's take that scenario like one step further right so you're a hardcore bitcoiner you've made this decision that i'm gonna do this yeah and you also make the decision you know what i don't even care about my credit i never plan on paying that back what are they gonna do take my credit card from me because they can't take the bitcoin that i bought with it yet They can't. No, they just can't. Mm, that's right? true. I mean, so, they can. So this is their bankruptcy court. You go to bankruptcy yeah, court you to and bankruptcy. you say, I ain't got it. Yeah. And if they don't know what Bitcoin is, they don't know you got it. Yeah, but you got a house. They can go your house. Right. Yeah. But my point is, is that if you do that. If you're scheme, real reckless. If you're doing that scheme on credit cards, you have to take a certain approach. Yeah. And it's almost like a burn the boats approach. How many credit cards will they give me? How much Bitcoin can I get? Wow. How much debt can I rack up that I have no plans on paying back? And convert all of that into an asset. But we're too dumb to do this or we're too smart to do this. <laughs> Which one is it? I, I can never do this. I know. Right? It's not your style. If any of our listeners plan on doing this, fill us in. Yeah. Leave, a, com- leave a comment below, as oh. they say. On the- 
or like it would be really interesting like you should do if you're gonna do it like do a whole case study of yourself I think it would be so interesting if like someone today said that they were gonna do this and then they kind of like documented it on Nostra's Twitter or whatever um, their whole journey and if your spouse let you do it is even like the more interesting angle to it that's not our style we don't operate that way with our money right but my point is is that there were people that were talking like that and i was like this is probably not the best way to phrase it part of that made me think that these bitcoiners are crazy that is in the old game that is financially irresponsible but when you actually understand what bitcoin is it's not that crazy it's not that crazy that's what i'm saying right like so that's my point freaking out the game the game has changed so much that financially irresponsible things become rational decisions in this frame of time frame because you know like where we are right now is not going to be the reality of bitcoin forever right well here's what i the 10x 100x whatever x that could happen i think how long do you think this run-up will happen i think you will be surprised I huh. think we will pull this recording back up and you will be surprised. I, I honestly believe that in our life, there's at least one more 10x and probably two more 10x's. They're not going to all happen at once. And it might be a 2x and then a 5x or, you know, whatever. But I think there's a 100x still baked in with nothing happening but time. All right. So we're not going to do the Starting with Bitcoin challenge for my birthday. But go go buy yourself 37 US dollars in Bitcoin right now. Just just do it for me. Because <laughs> it'll it'll maybe be worth, what, 3700 soon. It, maybe it's going to be worth 37000 one day. And well, that'll be my birthday present for you to have acquired some wealth. <sighs> What's wrong, babe? I don't know. I guess I'm worried I'm not saving enough money in Bitcoin. Aren't we all? You don't seem worried. Like with most things, you just gotta set a goal and work towards it. But even with a goal, the price of Bitcoin changes so much, it's hard to keep track. I understand. That's why I created the Satoshi Savings Calculator. And how can that help? First, you decide how much Bitcoin you want to acquire. One Bitcoin. Great. Then you gotta decide how much time you want to give yourself to acquire that Bitcoin. Before the next halving, duh. That's also great because the calculator only lets you pick halving dates. Anything else I need to enter? Just how often you want to buy and which currency you want to use. Oh, so rather than buying it all at once? To loosely quote Desmond Tutu, if you want to save a whole Bitcoin, you got to do it like you eat an elephant, one bite at a time. That's gross, Ian. But true. Focus, babe. Where can I find this calculator? The pod's website, flirtingwithbitcoin.com. Wait, you haven't been to the website yet? Um, Let's get back to the show. Thank you so much for the info, babe. So the other thing you told me that your other coworker said is that you saved their marriage. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before. It's, it's the same coworker. It's like the it's the guy that had his money in Celsius, and we just happened to get lunch one time <laughs> when he was in DC, and he said he had money. I was like, get it out. Yeah. Well, apparently, anybody who was involved in Celsius when that was all happening, because they're in bankruptcy court and everything that's happening, everyone involved is getting like letters in the mail telling them like what's going on with the process. So every time they get one of these letters, his, his wife opens it. His when this all happened, fiance, now wife Aww. is like thank God for Ian. Oh, thank so, God for Ian. So like the joke was like we might not be married if I had lost my money in Celsius, right? But yeah, I mean, Celsius is a great example of, I remember the day that I heard about Celsius enough to say that I went to the website, I looked at it, it was very interesting, mm-hmm. right? And it's very, it's very sexy, right? Like, you know, a, I love sexy. Yeah, it's like, give us your Bitcoin and you can earn 
I forget. I think it was double digit interest, right? And so like, again, in the old game, if someone tells you they're going to give you 10% interest on your money, you can't get that anywhere Mm -hmm. else. That sounds like a rational financial decision. And no one would be faulted for seeking out a 10% return on money that's just sitting. I don't fault anyone for doing that. But like I said, January 3rd, 2009, the game changed. Now you can almost be certain that anyone who's offering you a yield is scamming you. Yeah. Like it's almost. But do you feel that way about like fiat as well now? Yes. Yeah, I do too. I do too. That's my point is that like before Bitcoin, you would just compare rates at banks and say, oh, well, they are giving me this match. And a toaster. (laughs) Right. There's always some like gimmick to like get you in the door and get you to deposit Mm -hmm. your money and they make it easier to deposit your money so it's like direct deposit cool so it goes from my employer to my employer's bank account to to my bank account here and i don't have to cash a check anymore Mm -hmm. okay that that seems convenient all right cool and once i set that up i'm probably not going to find another bank all right cool and then what happens oh the rates start going down well at what point did you start looking for a new bank with a new yield Mm -hmm. because before anyone knew it they were all at zero and now here comes this new economy this crypto economy and people see three percent four percent five percent eight percent nine percent twelve percent seventeen percent and you're like my money's just sitting doing nothing this is a (laughs) rational decision but because the game has changed you need to understand the rules of the new game and the rules of the new game are if there's yield, there's probably a scam. You need to find a better tagline for that. Uh, if there's yield, you need to hit the field. I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna work on it. Okay, but but like so that like one concept from Bitcoin. Forget about the fiat world. You just go into the crypto world and you look at everything that had yield and you look at all the things that blew up and everything that blew up had some kind of yield because the question comes. The question becomes, where is the yield coming from? So that's a rational question to ask in the cryptocurrency world. No one asked the question over here. And when you ask the question over here, you don't even get an answer because they say, oh, it's too hard for us to explain and da, 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 da. It's like, okay, maybe, but at least over here, they try to explain it. With all the things we've talked about today, what is your closing thought around viewing the accumulation of Bitcoin as like the mechanism of wealth? I'm asking like, what do you want to convey to other people? Two things, one statement and then one point. Statement, doing this podcast has really helped me to understand the value and the scarcity of Bitcoin. Part of what this new website that the Fountain guys are putting together that lets me see stuff that I couldn't see before in the app, I was actually able to piece together, we promote the episode on Fountain, right? We promote promote all our episodes and then how much money, how much Bitcoin have we earned Mm -hmm. from all those episodes? I couldn't really put those numbers together before, right? Mm -hmm. But I was able to do it. And basically right now, from the amount of money that we spent on promotions and the amount of Bitcoin that we have earned, we've basically been getting Bitcoin at about a thousand sats for a dollar which is a lot less Mm -hmm. than if we were just out there buying it. Yeah. This is the type of economic calculation that you can do in Bitcoin. In Bitcoin, you know, sats are sats. I could have bought them using cash or I'm earning them, Mm -hmm. right? But they're scarce. They are very scarce. They are probably the scarcest thing on this planet. If you actually understand what that means, it's, it's very hard to really drive this point home. But Bitcoin is the scarcest thing on this planet. Think of it like 
an element on the periodic table. It sits above hydrogen. Now, we can't measure how much hydrogen there is on the planet. We can't measure total all those different elements, but we know they exist in some quantities. Of all those elements on that table, Bitcoin is the most scarce. All right. Even at 2.1 quadrillion Satoshis, that's still a lot less than the number of hydrogen <laughs> atoms that exist or gold atoms that exist or any type of material that we would use to measure wealth, yeah. right? And we've used many different materials over, over time. This thing called Bitcoin, Satoshis, if we get to the, the smallest unit of them, these Satoshis are extremely rare. And if you have zero of them, if you have zero Satoshis, you don't understand what rare and scarce means. If you could go to the store today and buy a Michael Jordan rookie card for a dollar, would you do it? If you could go to the store and buy 3,434 Michael Jordan rookie cards <laughs> for a dollar, would you do it? Most people would say yes to at least one of those questions. Why? Because people know that rookie cards are rare. And a rookie card of the most well-known basketball player in the world has some value. Now, when people got Michael Jordan's rookie card on day one out of college, people thought he was going to be good, but they didn't know he was going to be Michael Jordan. So there's a lot of people that traded Michael Jordan's rookie card for other players. Like right? what, 10,000 Bitcoin for a pizza. Exactly, right? Now, no one's faulting the guy that traded the Michael Jordan rookie card, because again, we didn't know. We didn't know how rare or how scarce Michael Jordan was going to be. He's a once in a generation athlete. You can argue if LeBron is the next coming. I think people would debate that, but whatever. But my point is, is that like scarcity denotes value and Bitcoin is the most scarce thing on this planet that we know of. If you're trying to convince your significant other of why you should invest in Bitcoin, it's more scarce than gold. It's more scarce than diamonds. It's more scarce than anything that people assign value to. The trick right now that most people don't understand that. So if you can just flip that bit in your brain and take that on as like, this is something that's scarce, that's when you will hit that FOMO feeling of like, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, I need more. And that's more. when you'll also, I think, have some calmness around your concerns of your own personal wealth. Exactly. So for example, just like a, a quick example of like what's about to happen, I believe in the next like kid having's coming up. So that's one. So the next five years, we're going to have two halvings in five years. There are 96 million multimillionaires in the world. Mm -hmm. There's only 21 million Bitcoin. So of all of those people, they can't all get one Bitcoin. But you can. Now, if you can, if you can, I think you should. But when you get one Bitcoin at $30,000 and you go, is that enough? It's because that fiat $30,000 mm -hmm. is attached to it. But if you were to take that away and just say, I have one of something that many people who have a lot more wealth than I do in the fiat world, mm -hmm. they're eventually going to want my one. They want everything. That's why they're wealthy. What will they trade for this one when they figure out what I just figured out? And Satoshis are so scarce. But the only thing more scarce than Satoshis is the number of people who understand how scarce it is. Do you know what's more scarce than that? No. <laughs> True love. I think there are more than 21... <laughs> I think there are more I'm than just 21. I'm trying to close yeah, up yeah, this yeah, episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no
than real 20, true love. I think there's more than 21 real million people love. who have experienced true love. Not like this, baby. Well, no, I don't. I think there's only Bitcoin two people. True love. I think there's only two people that have experienced <laughs> our love. Um, Bitcoin is a once in a. I mean, I would almost say like empire opportunity, and that sounds pretty hyperbolic. Empire. What does that mean? Well, you're Persian. You guys had an empire. Doesn't really exist anymore, right? Okay, the Romans had an empire. It doesn't really, well, some people think it still exists, but it doesn't really exist anymore, right? But the things that they created, specifically their money, it outlasted the empire. We still talk about the money of the Persian Empire and the money of the Roman Empire. The one thing they didn't have going for them is the information network. They couldn't communicate their money empire and their moneyness around the world. But Bitcoin is a new empire. We say it's an island. It is an island. And it's an island that's going to grow into a money empire similar to Rome, similar to Persia, similar to Florence and all these other countries that have had like global money, regardless of how fast or slow it moved. No one knew Rome was going to be Rome on day one. No one knew Persia was going to be Persia on day No one knew these things were going to blossom into what they were. Because if they did, everyone would have moved to Rome. <laughs> the scarcity of Bitcoin and the scarcity of knowledge of Bitcoin is a once in a very infinitesimal amount of time for you as the individual to change the trajectory of your family, not just for yourself. It's for your entire family and everyone that comes after you. We're all sitting here. I mean, I don't watch it, but I watch you watch it. Watching Bridgerton or Downton Abbey. I love me some Bridgerton. I, I can't get into Downton Abbey. Okay. But the, the point is, is that like we all watch these shows where this concept of like there's the people upstairs and the people downstairs. Mm-hmm. There's the people that have, and there's the people that work for the people that have. Ugh, I want rich people problems. Who am I going to marry? I must keep myself well regarded in society. Exactly. <laughs> sure, right? Who pays attention to Bitcoin right now, gets involved in Bitcoin right now, can be the wealthy of the world. And I feel like this is probably a conversation for another day is my concern about the people who do hoard a lot of Bitcoin right now, like Michael Saylor. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, he likes Bitcoin, but what do we know about him? If Bitcoin does hit 100 million, like, oh my God, the few wealthy people who do have that flip switch for them mm-hmm. and are buying up all the Bitcoin, that's just, we're already laying out like what wealth inequality just for like the next empire, so you speak. But I don't really want to get into that conversation now. Let that simmer, baby. We can talk about that next week. <laughs> <laughs> is that a good teaser? Yeah. How Michael Saylor having a large amount of Bitcoin is not the problem that everyone thinks it is. Okay. I can't wait. listening to the show. Now let's get you set up on Fountain so you can start earning money simply by listening to podcasts. It's time to join the Fountainhead Nation. Go to fountain.fm to download the app onto your phone. Once you've installed the app and have set up your account, search for Flirting with Bitcoin and follow us. You should also be able to find and follow every other podcast you listen to as well. 
Listen to our show and episodes from your other favorite podcasts to earn your first stats, which are fractions of a Bitcoin. And keep an eye out for our promoted episodes on Fountain's homepage. We promote every episode so you can earn up to 100 sats just for listening. Yeah, that's right. Your attention's valuable to us. You're not just a set of earballs we've collected for advertisers. You can use the sats you've earned to send us a boost, which is like a little payment with a message. We are very active and respond to almost all the boosts we get. Every episode, we also give a shout out to the top boosters from the previous episode. And if you want to support us or other podcasters with more sats than you earn, you can top up your fountain wallet with a bank card or a lightning transfer from apps like Strike or Cash App. The easiest way to learn is to just get started. If you have any trouble or questions, go to support.fountain.fm. The team is extremely helpful and responsive. That's it. Now you're all set up for podcasting 2.0.